0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Look with me in your Bible real quick to the book of Luke. I want to preach tonight from the book of Luke chapter 1. And I want to go uh, into the Christmas story. But I want to look at it a little bit different tonight. I want to see it from maybe a little bit different angle. And I think that it has a real relevant message to every person under the sound of my voice. As a matter of fact there are five times in the Christmas story that God says the same thing to five different people who happen to be the main characters of the Christmas story every one of them he says do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid do not be afraid, five times you cannot read the Christmas story without understanding that One of the main messages of Christmas is you don't have to be afraid. And there were five main characters that faced five different fears. And here's what's interesting. They're the exact same fears that most of us, all of us, I would say, are facing today in our own lives. And so I want to talk to you, uh, and I guess if I've got a title, it would be Are you going to have a merry Christmas or a scary Christmas? It can be a season of cheerfulness or a season of fearfulness. And you have to receive the message of Christmas to decide if it's a merry Christmas or a scary Christmas. No matter what you're going through in your life. So I want us to look at it for just a few moments. Because this is how you defeat the fears. The same way they defeated these five fears that first Christmas. The secret to having a fear-free, a fear-free Christmas. First of all, there's Mary. And Mary had to deal with the fear, number one, the fear of inadequacy. I mean, place yourself in her shoes for just a moment. An angel shows up to a 14, 15, maybe 16-year-old teenage peasant girl. And he says, you're going to become the mother of God. You are going to have to raise a perfect child if he is not perfect. If he says anything, does anything, thinks anything that he shouldn't, he is disqualified from saving the world. The whole world's salvation depends on you playing your vital part in this. She's maybe 16 years old. Oh, the angel says, by the way, I know you're a virgin, and you've never known a man, but you're still going to have the baby. And I know you're engaged, and... Let me just throw this in there too. Um, when you have the baby, you're not going to have him in a hospital. You're going to have him in a barn or a cave. And when you do, there won't be a doctor there. And yes, your, your husband-to-be will be there. But all of us know the men are no good in that moment. They're, they're useless. And, and you will have to think about this. You will have to deliver your own baby. There will be no handmaiden to help you. It's on you. Don't you know she had the fear of inadequacy, the fear of I'm not. Uh, why me? You picked the wrong one. If you really knew me, you would have chose somebody else. I don't know a man. That's what she said immediately. And then in in uh, in Luke chapter one and verse. Uh, 29, and when she saw him, speaking of the angel, and after he spoke to her, she was troubled at his saying, considering what manner of greeting is this. Then the angel, verse 30, said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And verse 34, she said, how can this be, since I don't know a man? In other words, she's saying, I feel, I, I, I have the fear, the thing that's trying to stop me from giving birth to what God's purpose is for my life is the fear of inadequacy. The fear of inadequacy. And then you look at Joseph. Joseph had a different fear. Joseph had the fear of disapproval. The fear that, imagine in a little town, the rumors. Hey, I heard your fiance is pregnant and you're not the one who got her pregnant. And the Bible said he was so afraid of disapproval, the Bible said the angel had to come to him. And in Matthew, you can read it, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, the angel comes to him and says, because he thought to put her away, he was going to write a bill of divorcement because when you're engaged, it was that serious. You you had to get a divorce from an engagement. And and, and he was going to write and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this because I know how people are going to disapprove of this and forever it's going to be a stain on our family. And the fear of disapproval of people almost made him miss the purpose of God for his life. But an angel comes and says, do not be afraid, this is God and you need to, you need to marry that girl. The fear of inadequacy is what Mary dealt with. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not. That, that may be your, your, your fear. The thing that holds you back is I'm not educated enough. I'm not cute enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not connected enough. I'm not... I'm not God has so many other people He could call to do so many promotions and opportunities come. But then you f- have the fear of inadequacy. If they really knew me and how, how, how pitiful I really am... And how ungifted I am. they, they, They would understand they picked the wrong person. Or the fear of disapproval of people. That's what got a hold of Joseph. Joseph was afraid of what people would say. The fear of man, the Bible said, is a snare. The fear of man will talk you out of the purpose of God for your life. And then there's another fear that shows up. The fear... Of the shepherds, they're, they're, they're shepherds, they're laid back, they are, their life is very predictable, their life is very scheduled, they have, are doing the same thing day after day after day, looking after their fox, just like their father did, just like their grandfather did for generations, they're shepherds, and suddenly, the scripture says, suddenly... In Luke 2, verse 8 through 10, suddenly, throw it up, guys, come on. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and suddenly there were shepherds out in the field, verse 9, and suddenly the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly, there it is, greatly afraid. They were greatly afraid. Well, what was their fear? Their fear was the fear of sudden change. When God interrupts everything and you weren't counting on it and you never dreamed this would happen and suddenly you think this is how my life is going to go. It's very predictable. It's very uh, comfortable. It's very, um, you uh, you know, I know exactly what's going to happen and God comes with sudden change and the fear of sudden change. Suddenly everything's different. Suddenly you don't know what in the world. We all like to... We don't like to be caught off guard. We don't like for our plans to change. But God shows up in our lives. Usually the biggest things he'll do will require sudden change. And you'll have to overcome the fear of sudden change. So one, now get it now, one's dealing with the fear of disapproval of people. What mama and them will say. What Whatever, oh my God, oh Lord, what are they going to talk, that people are going to, and one has to overcome that. One has to overcome the fear of their own inadequacies. I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not, I am not. can't do this. I'm not good enough. And another has the fear of sudden change. And then King Herod. The Bible said that he had a fear. He was king. He was, he was king and he was so covetous of that throne that he sat on. That when he heard by the wise men that a child had been born and it was the king of the Jews. He had the, king, he had the fear of losing control. Of losing the throne. That fear of losing control was so real in his life that he murdered his own brother-in-law. He murdered his, mo- his mother. He murdered his wife. He murdered his own two sons when they were getting popular with the people. Because he had the fear of losing control. And in Matthew two and verse three, it says, and when Herod heard these things, he was deeply frightened and listen to this. And so was everyone in Jerusalem with him. We sing silent night, holy night, all is calm. No, it wasn't. People were freaking out. He was going crazy. The fear, listen, of losing control that I'm no longer king. That there's another king that's taken over my life, and I'm not in control. He's in control. That's the fear. And then there's one more fear. It's the fear of Zacharias, the high priest. You remember he was married to, he was married to Elizabeth, and they were old people in their seventies, late seventies. And an angel came and said, "Don't be afraid." You and your wife, and this is over in Luke 1, 11 through 13. Said, don't be afraid. You and your wife are going to have a son. You're going to have a child. And you'll call his name John. Do not be afraid. I've heard your prayer was the first thing the angel said to him. He said, what prayer? The prayer you prayed about 40 years ago that you said you really wanted to be a daddy. But that was then. This is a different season. (laughs) What's his fear? His fear, Zacharias' fear, is the fear, and this is a big one, of being disappointed. The fear... That I believed so many times we tried my wife and I so many times to get pregnant and it didn't happen. We believed to give birth to our to our call and what God had for us and we believed and we believed and I got a word from God and I believed and a sister so-and-so prophesied to me and I believed and I, I, I went to church and the preacher preached and I believed. and now I've developed a fear of being disappointed. Because I believed so many times and heard so many times and it didn't happen. Now these are the five fears that hold people back from giving birth to what God wants to do in your life and in your ministry. And in the world through you. The fear of inadequacy. Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Can I handle it? Am I cute enough? Am I smart enough? Am I educated enough? The answer is no. You're not good enough, but God is God enough. And and if you're going to overcome and give birth to what God's called you to do, you're going to have to overcome the fear of your own inadequacy. Anybody who gets up and does what I'm doing right now will have to defeat the fear of your own inadequacy. And you will, if you start that business and you will, if you take that promotion and you will, if you step out and obey what God tells you to do, it will require of you understanding I'm not good enough. I'm not enough, but God is good enough. God is God enough. Come on and give God a praise. If you believe it. the fear of disapproval, the fear of disapproval, just go along to get along. The fear of being rejected, of being a people pleaser. I've got to please these people. I, if I obey God, if I, if I give my heart to God, if I obey the call of God on my life, if I do what I know He's good. I'm afraid of what people will say. Living a life to please others. Some of you, your parents died 10 years ago and you still are living to please things they said. And I'm not talking about good things. You don't need anyone else's approval to be happy but God. And if you don't watch it, you will will allow the approval or the fear of disapproval of people and critics to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. The fear of sudden change. Now you listen to me. I've walked with God a long time. I've been His friend a long time. I know Him. I don't know a lot of things, but I know God. I know Jesus. I know His voice. I know when He speaks to me. And most of the major things that He's done in my life and in this ministry and in Sharice's life required us to overcome the fear of sudden change. Our life was predictable. Our life was good. Our life was fine. Everything was going along, bumping along. And then God will come suddenly and say, This is me. You know it's me. But I'm not going to answer every question. And I'm not going to tell you every how. And I'm not going to give you everything you need to do it. But I just want to know, Are you ready to walk on the water again? And in that moment, You have to overcome the fear. The fear. Of sudden change. And I've told, told, I promise I won't bore you. But we had to make the decision about coming to this church and pastoring it basically in 48 hours. It went down that fast and it's one of the most, Sharice could tell you the story indeed. It's one of the most supernatural stories. I came out here minding my own business, do, doing a TV show and going home. The next thing I know, when I got on that Delta flight home, I'm pastoring a church in California. <laughs> Sudden change. Well, what's God in it? I don't know. You're sitting here. I, you didn't plan to be here, but but you're here. Glory to God. I want to tell somebody that just when you think it ought to be, it ought to be a crime to live for Jesus and be bored. God has not called you to be bored. The fear of sudden change. What about the fear of losing control? How do you know you have that fear? When the warning light in your soul starts flashing on the dashboard. And guess how it manifests and flash? It's called worry, worry, worry. And basically what you're really doing is you're fearing That you're not in control. As long as you can control things, you're good. But when God gets you where he really wants you, it feels a little out of control. And I really need him. I can't do this. Without him, I can do nothing. I'm not good enough, but God is God enough. What I've learned is when when you're filled with the fear of losing control, you try to control everyone else. You ever met anybody? You ever worked for anybody like that? <laughs> when, when, your fear, when you're fear, when I'm afraid of losing control, I have a tendency to try to control others. But the closer I get to God, the more he fills me with confidence. And the closer I get to God, the smaller my fears get. The key to this thing is staying close to God. The more insecure I am on the inside, the more I try to control. But God is saying, I want you off the throne and I want to be on the throne. The fear of being disappointed. I'm not going to try again. I've tried and tried and tried and I've been disappointed and disappointed. But here comes God this Christmas. And he says, we I want you to lose the fear of being disappointed. And I want you to try again. I want you to dream again. I want you to hope again. I want you to love again. I want you to believe again. It's time to overcome the fear of being disappointed. Do what God told you to do just like they did the very first Christmas. So, how do we do it? You know, I even thought about the fear of being disappointed. Well, well I'm never going to, I'm never, I, I tried and a relationship broke up. I'm done. I'm done. Never going to love again. Well, isn't that pitiful? That, come on. Never, never, never will I trust another man. I'll never love again. I went to a church and they really hurt me and I'm never going to get involved again. God's going to mess you up. And you can, you can, you can hide all you want to hide. But God knows. And in His given time, He'll raise you up. And He'll call you out of your fears of being disappointed. And say, trust me again. Believe again. Try again. Reach again. Love again. Well, well what did they do that first Christmas? Real quick. They did four things. Number one, Mary, to overcome her fear, surrendered her life completely to Jesus Christ. Here's what she said if you read that chapter. She said, you are my creator. And whatever you want me to do, be it unto me according to your word. I surrender completely. You want to know how you overcome your inadequacies? Do you understand that, that, that... If I listen to that fear, and it is a real spirit of fear that will hold you back from giving birth to the the great things in God. If I listen to it to this day, that fear of my own inadequacy would stop me from, from being bold and courageous and doing what God's called me to do. And it'll do the same to you. But when I give myself completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, just like... Mary, I say, you are the creator of my, you are my creator and I give myself. And nevertheless, I do have tremendous inadequacies, but nevertheless, be it unto me. I didn't choose me. You chose me. I didn't call me. You called me. And here I am. And here I go. And if I fail, I'm going to embarrass me, but I'm going to embarrass you too. Because you told me to do it. Watch him. God is your backer-upper. Somebody stop and praise God right there. Mm. The second thing you have to do is you have to stop listening to all the voices of fear. What are you listening to? Negative people, naysayers, negative, critical people. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is contagious. The Bible said in Romans 14, whatever is not based on faith is sin. So what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your thoughts with? What are you filling your soul with? Whatever is not based on faith is sin. Stop it. Stop listening to the voices of fear. What well, God's never going to, you're never going to see. It ain't going to happen. Nothing's good's going to come. That's the voice of fear. And you have to, you have to stop listening to get around faith people, not fear people. Get around, you know, the, the, in the news, they stop listening to talk radio, stop listening to the news all the time and start listening and tuning in to God and his word. That's where the victory is. I came for something deep. This is deep. If you want to soar with eagles, quit running with turkeys. That's old, but it still works. Now, this is the biggest point I'm going to make tonight. How many of you would like to have a fear-free Christmas? I mean, that fear of disapproval. Because you're about to get around some crazy family members. The fear of disapproval. I'm okay with you. Whether you're okay with me or not. You don't control my happiness. So here's, here's, here's something that runs through this whole story. And it's pretty incredible. What did they do to overcome their fear that first Christmas? Those five fears. If you look at it. They filled their minds with music. That praises God. That's how you do it. Fill your mind with music that praises God. One of the things that runs through the Christmas story is they had fear. The angel had to say, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And then the next thing that happens is songs break out. Mary, just as soon as the angel said, do not be afraid. God's going to do this. She became a songwriter. Read it in your Bible. It's called the song of Mary. And she wrote a whole song. My soul doesn't and started singing. How do you overcome your fear? You focus on God. Praise is the antidote to panic, worship is the antidote to worry. And instead of panicking, you need to praise. And instead of worrying, you need to worship. And you need to put the focus on God. And when you put the focus on God, your fears get so small. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to fill your mind and fill your soul and fill your car and fill your life with songs of praise. Think about it. Look at look at Mary. Look at her in Luke one forty six. She starts the, and she sang. She begins to sing. Why is she singing? She's overcoming her fears with a song of praise. It's no accident that Christmas is the most song filled holiday. You can't escape it. You walk in the mall and there's a song of praise. I love it everywhere but Macy's. Macy's won't say Merry Christmas. It's Happy Holidays. But most places it's Merry Christmas. And they're singing, Silent Night, Holy Night. Everywhere you go, the radio, some of them start in July and August. On the XM, you can turn that stuff on. At the first Christmas, everybody was singing. Zachariah started writing songs. Read it. He wrote a song of praise. The angels, were the shepherds were afraid of sudden change. And here comes angels and say, Let us sing you out of your fear. Glory to God on the highest, peace on earth. That's how you get out of that thing of fear. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy tonight. The last thing you got to do is base your hope on the Word of God. Listen to me. There are 7,000 promises in this book. 7,000 presents that have never been unwrapped. And they're waiting on you. What if you bought your gifts for your grandchildren or your children and you put them up under the tree and the children got up and they jumped around and had a big time on Christmas Day and they never opened the presents? If you don't open this book and you don't know the 7,000 promises, you've never unwrapped the presents that Jesus left you when He hung on a tree. What I'm saying to you is the reason we're fearful is because... We don't know what is in the policy manual. If you've got insurance and they tell you you've got to go have a surgery or something and you know what's in your insurance manual, you're not worried about it. And whatever's going on in your life, you need to go to the policy insurance and open it up. I, um, I want to speak this over your life tonight. We sing the song, O little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. What are you fearing? The fear of inadequacy, the fear of disapproval, the fear of sudden change. Just... Got a pink slip, or something major has just happened. You didn't see it coming, and the devil thinks that you're going to be tormented the whole Christmas. But here comes a preacher, and he walks in and says, Don't fear sudden change. God has you in the palm of his hand. The fear of losing control, the fear of being disappointed. One of the greatest fears and one of the greatest promises that you need to unwrap is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hebrews 2.15 said, Jesus lived and died to save us from the fear of death. Woo. I am not afraid to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. don't want to die today. But if I do die, don't cry too hard. Cry some. <laughs> but I'm not afraid to die. I watched my brother die. The first week of December. A couple of years ago. I watched my father die. I got there the last 20 minutes of his life. I ran literally ran through the hospital and got to his bedside. And I I had we had never had death invade our ranks of our family. It had never happened. I mean, you know, we'd lost some distant relative or an aunt or an uncle or something like that, but no one in our immediate family. And that was a different experience. And I watched him. I watched him. I watched him as he died. And for the first time, it settled into me. I'm going to die one day just like that. I watched my brother die as he walked at the age of 56 with cancer. I watched him die. I was there when he died. You know what we did while he was dying? We started singing songs of praise. And he took his last breath. But he came to deliver us from the fear of death. And I was in my office yesterday, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm careful when I say this, just minding my own business, and I, and I found myself pondering, Lord Jesus, why did you come in Bethlehem? I know John 3.16 says you loved me, but why would you do that? It felt like, I can't say God told me this, but it felt like he impressed this upon me. Sharice and I, on occasion, have... We've, of course, got five children. And when they were smaller, particularly, we used to try to get away. A lot. (laughs) And and on occasion, we would plan something. We would plan a trip. Maybe a vacation or something. Just she and I. Usually it was somewhere I was preaching. But then we would plan a few days and stay there. Maybe a five-star hotel Right on the beach, and all of that, and we would leave the children with grandmother because that's what they're for. And we didn't care. We knew they were in good hands, and thank God we've been delivered. And we'd have the greatest time, and we'd sit. We, we, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if we were in New York City in the plushest hotel, or on the beach somewhere, beach front view. Beautiful food, beautiful room. If that phone would ring and we would find out one of our children was hurting, was in trouble, was in desperate need of us and without us, we didn't know what was going to happen. I don't care how nice it was. I don't care how... Wonderful it was, I don't care how enjoyable it was, how delicious the food, how excellent the service, the room, the the vibe, everything. The moment we knew those kids that we love supremely were in trouble. We didn't even have to say, what are we going to do? We immediately would pack our bags, put it all up. The trip is over. We're going there now. Why did He come? You don't get it. He really does love you. He really does. God doesn't just love you. He so loved the world. That he was up in heaven, all of its splendor, all of its perfection, all of its glory, all of its beauty. And he, and he heard our cry. He heard we were hurting. He heard we were broken. He heard we couldn't fix our sin problem. And the Father God said, I'll step off the throne, put myself in a body. My son Jesus will descend down the steps of glory into a barnyard in Bethlehem. Why? Because I can't enjoy this when I love them so much and they need my healing. Can you give Him praise right now? For every fear must bow down to the mighty name of Jesus. He loves us. He loves us. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. He came for you. He loves you. Get up on your feet and let's give Jesus the biggest praise and cheer of the night. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.